unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to another exciting episode of the Copywriters Podcast with your host, David Garfinkel, the world's greatest copywriting coach, and a return of a very special guest from last week. David, I'm going to hand it over to you, and I'm just waiting on pins and needles for the conclusion of what we started last week. Well, we started it, and we're going to finish it. Yes, our guest from last week, our returning champion, is back today. He's Marion Bowderkett known as the Sherlock Holmes of funnels and conversions. And Marin has the unique background and ability to find the murderous leaks in your digital sales process and fix them. And when he combines that with his copywriting, you get outsized conversions, record profits. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen because he's a mentoring client of mine and he confidentially shares a lot of results. I've seen the kind of marketing detective work he does and the results he's gotten for clients. And Merrick does some unusual things in terms of tracking and testing because he's a dedicated student of buyer behavior. The way people, buyer behavior, I mean, this is not deep psychology. This is behavioral psychology. It's like, what does somebody do when they get to this step in the funnel? They leave, they click through, they read. You know, he, he uses his software skills to track how buyers respond in every step of the sales funnel, and he makes adjustments accordingly to optimize every piece of it. So back to the Sherlock Holmes thing. Last week, he talked about two of the seven serial killers that are wiping out marketing all across the internet. And there's a third one that's so notorious, Marin's going to devote an entire show just to this one. What does this one do? Bum, 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 bum. It steals your traffic. That's pretty serious. This traffic is the lifeblood of your business. So, Marin, welcome. Thanks for coming back. Thanks, David. You mentioned I've I've been a student of um, buyer behavior, and what we haven't talked about is in the past. Like when I got started, my first role as an analyst of these things were actually helping a very well-known credit card company to extract more money from the poorest of their clients and to get them to take more loans and, 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 you know, and I think this was so bad to my karma that maybe this episode can fix it. Like if I help enough people with this, then I have, you know, reclaimed my right to live on this earth as a good citizen. Okay. We, we are going for redemption and we're going for redemption. I like that. And, and you're going to talk to us about stolen traffic and that's really important. But first, I want to tell you, the listener, something else that's really important, and that is that copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, Marin. So thanks for coming back. Um, we this is the redemption episode. How about we start with this whole thing about uh, stolen traffic? Uh, because 
what I understand from what you told me is you might get a really great rate. I mean, everyone else might be paying 47 cents for an ad and you might have figured out a way to, you know, per click and you might have figured out a way to get it for 20 cents. But if you lose or if 80% of your traffic gets stolen, then you're paying a dollar a click. You say people pay too much for their traffic and they usually don't know why. So could you explain that? Yeah. So after helping a lot of my clients reduce their traffic costs, one of them actually reduced his costs by 90% without changing anything in the copy itself. Mm-hmm. I can tell you with quite a bit of certainty, if you're running paid ads, you are being conned. All right. You are not getting all the traffic you are paying for. for. Uh, okay. So... Do you want me to explain who's stealing your traffic? Yeah, who's stealing? Yeah, because I think you said there's three. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like, uh, my, I need to scrape my jaw up off the floor from what you just said. If you're buying ads, you're getting conned. So you said there's three problems that people don't know about that ends up as this con job, the stolen traffic. And, and the first one you said is people click on your ad, but they never reach your site. They click on your right, ad. So Could you explain You that? can pay for 100 clicks, but only 50 or 80 people actually get to your website. But you paid for those 100 clicks, but then it gets even worse, okay? So let's, let's first think about it. Like, okay. what goes on here? Um, if you're doing a campaign and you're tracking your results as a good copywriter and you're like, hey, I got 100 clicks, and a really low conversion rate, what do you do? You call David or Nathan or Marin and say, I need help with my copy. And most copywriters, if they don't know what I'm about to share, they'll just get stuck in that loop of improving the copy and not getting results and improving the copy and not getting results. And until you get people who say, you know, Facebook doesn't work for me and they go and try something else and that doesn't work. What's going on here? How can it be that you're paying for 100 clicks, 100 people clicked, but not all of them actually show up on your website. Well, the problem is people are impatient. I'm sure you noticed that, David. Oh, yeah. And your website doesn't load fast enough. They're just not going to wait for it to load. Like if I'm scrolling on Facebook and I see an ad I like and I click on it, and the second I click, the advertiser pays for it, right? But right. if the website doesn't load in two, three seconds, I just click back to Facebook and get on with my day. And the advertiser just lost 10, 20, 30 cents. Okay. Yeah. And, and you multiply that by thousands of dollars a month, which I have a lot of clients who are paying and it, it becomes real money, serious money. Um, so, But it gets worse, David. Well, Okay, but I want to stop you. I, I do want to hear how it gets worse, but I want to stop you for a second and ask about, do most people know how fast their sites load and do most sites take longer than two or three seconds to load? I never had a client who came to me with a website that loads in less than three seconds. I would say the average I get from new clients, they have a website that loads in 9, 10, 11 seconds. And the reason is almost everybody uses WordPress sites with a just 200 different plugins and every plugin requires the load of three other files and it takes forever and ever. They use bad hosting and they don't know it. They use bad plugins and they don't know it. They don't have anything set up correctly because in today's 
internet marketing world, it's like, yeah, you can have a website set up in 10 minutes. Sure. But don't try and send traffic to it or you will get conned and you will lose most of your traffic. Uh, all right. So I, I just want to drill down a little bit. Are you able to get a website that takes 10 or 11 seconds to load down to two or three? Oh, sure. I actually had to do that for one of my clients. He came to me and it was like his most important campaign and the ads were not converting and they thought there was a problem with the targeting. I had a look and saw that we're just not getting the, the clicks being reported and the actual visits did not match. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of work over those eight, nine hours that were like, we need to fix this now. And we got it down to under two seconds for a page load for the same website and everything. You just need to have somebody who knows how to do it. And the easiest way to know if whoever you have on your team know how to do this is to just Google search Pingdom, P-I-N-G-D-O-M, speed test, Pingdom speed test. It will load, put in your website and test how fast it loads. Okay. So when you got this down from however long it was taking to two or three seconds, did sales improve? Did conversions improve? Did Oh yeah. They sold out within that week. It was for a live event and they sold out. And that was after they've been struggling to fill in. They, they have like a live seminars business. They have been struggling to fill in seats. And then suddenly same offer, same campaign, same targeting, same everything. They filled up the entire room within one week. And I got to tell you, David, those seminars, the average value in upsells per attendee is over $700. Wow. So filling up a room was not about one seminar. It was about another quarter million dollars in profits. Uh, okay. That's impressive. So um, you were going to say that it even gets worse than, than load time for the, for the homepage of the website or maybe for every page. Uh, what's the bigger problem? So here's the thing. Facebook and Google and all the ad platforms they understand something that we marketers tend to forget. And that is, if the user of the platform, if, you know, whoever it is, Travis McGee, who's on Facebook and clicks an ad, if he has a bad experience, he's not going to click more ads. And if he's not going to click more ads, Facebook is not going to make more money. And then they start making less money and less and less and less. And that is why every traffic platform today has something called an ad score. You know, Google calls it quality score. Facebook calls it a relevancy score. It's basically this score that says, how, how much do people like your ad? Do they respond to it? Do they click on it? And what happens is, if you and I go bidding for the same person to show an ad, and I have a quality score of 10, which I have achieved in multiple campaigns, Mm -hmm. and you have a quality score of four, I'm going to be paying one cent per click. And you're going to be paying about a dollar, two dollars, five dollars per click. Wow. Okay. And that's the difference. Now, again, in, in the good old days, people were just like, okay, quality score is controlled by the quality of the ad. Is the ad interesting? Is the ad clickable? Does it make people want to click? Is the offer good? Everything we talked about in the previous episode, it still stands. It's still important. You still can't put an ad that makes you look like a sir slapped a lot and, and be a creep. But Facebook now measures what happens once somebody clicks your ad. Holy crap. So, so, so if they stay on the site 
for one minute, you'll get a lower score than if they stay on the site for four minutes. It's a very you simple got it. example, right? You got it. And uh, one minute is a, low, is a huge amount of time. But basically, if they stay less than eight to 10 seconds, Facebook, and then, because what happens, go back to that scenario. I'm, I'm scrolling through my Facebook feed. I see an ad. I click on it. It loads in a separate page. It loads too slow. I click back to Facebook. Facebook know exactly when I left and when I came back. And if I bounce back so quickly, Facebook knows, hey, this was not a good experience. So now, if you have a slow website, not only you're paying for clicks that never reach your site, but when enough of them don't reach your site, Facebook lowers your relevancy score. Oh, man. And then you're paying more for clicks that don't reach your site. So they lower your relevancy score again. And I've been able to take an ad from a relevancy score of four to seven just by fixing these web issues. Wow. Okay. That's like stunning. I mean, I've known about load time in general for 20, 30 years, but I never had any idea it was. It was stealing people's traffic when it was too slow. That's pretty cool. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not. But he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. But wait, there's more. Let's talk a second major problem you've had to causes traffic to be stolen. Yeah, and I'm just going to point out, like, I know this is like website load time and what I'm going to tell people about now. It's like not the sexiest aspect of marketing, but if you are the copywriter that solves this problem, you are worth your whatever you're charging and then some, and you are worth your weight in gold because you solved the one problem no other copywriter was able to solve. And for your clients, if they can pay 11 times less for the same traffic, that's a huge win, probably bigger than any optimization you'll be able to make to the sales page. So like, pay close attention because this is probably where you can have the most leverage over other copywriters. I'd agree that what you're talking about may not seem sexy, but you know what's sexy? When you used to spend $1 to get a dollar and a quarter, and now you can spend a dollar and get $3 back, that's sexy. And that's what all this leads to. So exactly. All right. So we talked about the problem of paying for every person who clicks the ad, but not all of them actually show up. Another big problem is, all right, you have this funnel and you're collecting leads. Yay. Good for you. Did you know that a lot of your leads 
do not get your emails. And David, I know what you're going to say. I'm not talking about, oh, your letters go into the spam box because you use the word free too many times. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about something that is well and beyond that. Yes. In, you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, the spam filter came out, right? And, and uh, Gmail and Yahoo and Hotmail and everybody was starting to filter emails by the actual words and phrases that you use. And to this day, if you have free, 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 free all across your letter, you will arrive at the spam, bo- at the spam box and that's fine. And if you have too many capital letters in the subject line, you'll arrive at the spam box and that's all fine. But, but you're, not, you're not talking about that. You're talking about something else. I'm right? not talking about any of that. That is like the least of your concerns. Because whatever email marketing software you use, Infusionsoft, Ontraport, ActiveCampaign, most of them will tell you, hey, your spam score is too high. Fix this email, right? They right. won't let you send right. that. I, I get that on my um, get response when I'm mailing out to my, my list for this podcast. I'll run it through a spam score. I got my first negative spam score this week. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, but yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> so yeah. So what am I talking about? Well, what happened was that black hat marketers figured out a long time ago, like 10 or more years ago, how these spam filters work. So they started doing stuff like, um, instead of writing free, they would write F-R-E-E, and then spam bot didn't catch it, etc. And somewhere along the line, Gmail and Microsoft and, and, and Yahoo and all of those companies said, again, if people don't use email, they don't see ads in Gmail. So it's important for Gmail that you have a good experience in your inbox. So it became important to them to fix this problem of spammy emails. And what they came up with is something, the easiest way to explain it is to call it a digital fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And basically, they look at an email coming from David Garfinkel and they say, how sure can I be that this email that says it's from David Garfinkel is actually from David Garfinkel? And have you ever heard about any of this, David? No, no. So you're in the same boat with every client I meet, right? It's like one of these things that only the super techie people know about and marketers somehow have not figured it out yet. They haven't even heard about it. But here's the problem. In this day and age, you are guilty until proven innocent. So if your email doesn't have the right fingerprint, the right digital fingerprint, you are not going to end up in people's inbox. You are going to end up in spam or just rejected completely or go to the promotions tab or it will arrive, but it will say sent from Infusionsoft on behalf of David Garfinkel. Mm-hmm. And all of those things, you'll never know, right? How, how can you tell how many of your emails reach an inbox? All you can tell is how many opens did you get? How many clicks did you get? And you're sitting there wondering, gee, why can't I get more opens? I guess I need a better copywriter to write the subject line. And if you don't fix this thing called digital fingerprint, you'll keep failing. And I think it's, it really is an atrocity that Infusionsoft and Entreport and those programs don't do more to educate people about how to do this, but I guess it's our job to do it now. Yeah, it, it is. So how do you fix it? Okay, so there's three things you need to set up and explaining how to set them up will take much more than the time we have for this episode, but thank God we have a, a resource at the end of this, chat, of the, this uh, interview that will give people all the step-by-step information you need. But you need three things. 
One is called DKIM. That's a digital signature that basically helps people be absolutely sure that the person who sent this email is indeed the person who owns this domain. So the person who sent something from from garfinkelcoaching.com or from the copywriterspodcast.com is indeed the person who owns this domain. This is not a fake email. That's step one. Step two is called SPF, Sender Policy Framework. This is another protocol that basically says, I, David, as the owner of the Copywriters Podcast website, or Nathan, whoever manages the site, I'll never know, um, I hereby certify that Infusionsoft is allowed to send emails on my behalf or that get response. And the third one is DMARC, D-M-A-R-C, which is more complicated and not as important, but if you're already setting it up, then set up all three. And what these three combined do is basically provide irrefutable proof that the person sending this email is the person who owns this domain. And as far as Google and like, why was this done? Because if you're a black hat marketer, you're not going to stick to one IP. You're not going to stick to one domain. You're going to be switching stuff all the time and you won't have time to set all of this up all the time. So it's kind of like by making yourself seem more legitimate and having all this set up, you're automatically considered more legitimate. And you can see a bump of 20, 30% in open rates just by implementing these things. Wow. Okay. That's pretty awesome. Thank you for that. And the third one sounds like a real tragedy. You get the email to your prospect, your prospect opens it, they click on it, and then they don't reach your website. What's that about? Right. So <laughs> this is another one that was, it, it, I, I discovered this from a real case that I was investigating, right? I had a client who I felt I created a pretty good sales page for, and I felt I created a pretty good email uh, campaign and the emails were getting opened, but we're getting really low clicks. And even the clicks we did get didn't convert. More than that, when we looked into it, we found that the clicks didn't actually reach the website. Just like with Facebook again, we had this, this thing of like, what's going on? And our immediate, you know, my immediate response was, is the website slow again? What's going on here? And no, the website wasn't slow. So we dig deeper. And what we found out is two things were happening. Number one is why, why weren't people able to click? Because Gmail implemented a new service for its clients where if Gmail felt the message the person was reading was spammy, they would put a huge red notice at the top and say, warning. Do not provide personal information to the sender of this email. And as a service, they would disable all the links in the email. Oh, shit. I, I remember that <laughs> that happened to a campaign you're working on with one of your clients about one or two days before the promotion ended, right? Right. It was like there was no t- almost no time to fix it. Thankfully... I, I did manage to fix it by hustling some affiliates and sending traffic from their addresses. But here's what happened. Yes, there was the digital fingerprint thing. But after fixing that, emails were still not being delivered. And it's kind of like the same thing like with the relevancy score of Facebook. Gmail now measures 
not just how many messages people say, boom, Mark has spam, but it actually measure how many people who received this email just deleted it without even opening it. And they're like, hmm, if a lot of people are deleting emails from this domain without even opening it, we don't feel as good about this domain. And if a lot of people, and by the way, a lot of people is one in 1,000. So if 0.1% or more of the people say this is spam, then this is spam. Now, when you get 0.5, as this client was getting for his previous campaign, they just blacklisted his domain. And as soon as they did, anything he sent from that domain... Maybe I'm confusing things because I thought this client was using a shared server where there were some other spammers or some other people that were getting worse open rates or worse. This client has had a major cluster F (laughs) (laughs) because his problem was double. We'll get to the server in a moment, but even the, the emails themselves, the domain was blacklisted. We'll explain why in a second. And yes, you're right. He was using an email platform that no longer exists, their IP servers were blacklisted as well. So it's not what, it wasn't even necessarily his emails that were the problem, but Gmail just went, this email server is used by spammer. Therefore, I do not trust any emails coming out from this email server. Okay, so uh, ho- hold on a second here because I know this is called the Copywriters Podcast and we really haven't said a word about copy, but I want to point out something to everyone listening. You can have all of your copy perfect and dialed in, and you can format just the right number of characters per line in each email, be using just the right fonts and colors on your website. But if you don't handle these stolen traffic problems, it's all for naught. Right. Is that right? You're just going to lose and you won't even know what's going on. And, and, and like this, that's is, the worst. this isn't made up scary stuff to get you more business. You're pretty busy as it is. This is what's really happening. This is maybe, is, is it possible, Marin? This is why so many people are saying Facebook marketing doesn't work anymore. Internet marketing's dead. All the rules have changed. Gene Schwartz, Gary Halbert, Dan Kennedy. And, and they don't have any clue what's really going on, right? Well, the thing is, people start with bad practices and then tech and bad copy practices. And when you mix those up together, you get a really dangerous combination because by the time somebody hires a, 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 you know, a professional experienced copywriter, if their domain is, is with a bad ranking and we'll mention in a minute how to check that, or if their IPs are in bad shape, you can't do anything. And then you definitely get convinced that no matter what you try, nothing works because your relevancy score got so low and, and, and this got low and that got low and, and you just can't climb out of that hole. Even if you are Sir Gary Halbert and you raised, out of the, you raised from the dead. Well, all right. Um, point well taken. So you say there are a couple of domains people can go to to check on... Um, right. So there's, there's two things you, you need to be aware of. So as, I, as we said, this client had two problems. One, emails appeared with this scary red warning. But even those who didn't get the warning because they weren't on Gmail, they were on Outlook. A lot of them still couldn't get to the website. They'd click on the website and a notice came saying, this website has suspicious activity. We do not recommend you visit it. And that was it. 
And as it turned out, the website itself, not just for email, but for website, was blacklisted on another list. And if you as a copywriter don't know how to check this, how do you know if it's your copy that's failing, if it's the offer that's failing, or is it the tech that is conning you and stealing all of your traffic? So here's where you check these things. Uh, If you go to postmaster.google.com, you can sign up for free and they will tell you all the issues that they have with your emails, right? So they will say, uh, these are the spam complaints and these aren't necessarily, these won't be the same numbers as you see in GetResponse. Because if somebody marks a message as suspicious, it doesn't necessarily show up. The fact that they clicked it on Google doesn't show up in GetResponse. They didn't click the unsubscribe link. You may not even know that they're unhappy, but they told Google they're unhappy and that's worse. Yeah. And by going to postmasters.google.com, you can find out you know, how many people are really unhappy. What does Google think of your domain? The, IPs, the, the, service, the IPs of the service that your email provider uses to send email, are they good? Are they bad? And all of these things, they're right there. You just need to know, you need to go to postmaster.google.com, set it up and check it once a week. Okay. And then there's something you can use to check your site to see how, whether it's blacklisted anywhere. There's Right. So the other part is for non-email issues, just your site is blacklisted for whatever reason. There can be many. I recommend using a service called Securi, which is S-U-C-U-R-I, Securi.net, or the full URL is sitecheck.securi.net. They have a free tool that will just say, hey, these are the issues we found. Here are the lists you're blacklisted on. And then they'll offer you to fix it for you. Without getting any, into any trouble, because we don't have a lawyer on the line, I will say I'm not a fan of their paid service. I've seen times where much more work that was needed than what they have provided. But the test itself is worth taking. It's free and it will give you very, very fast answer whether you have a problem you need to fix or hopefully not. Well, that's great. We've gone over one, one of your seven serial killers and it was worth a whole episode. It was like drinking from a fire hose though. So um, <laughs> you, you told me you have a special report that, that goes into a lot of detail and would answer a lot of questions that people might have just from listening to the great information uh, you offered, you gave us today. And thank you for that. Could you um, tell us what the URL is for that, that report to get the free report? Sure. So the URL is marketingkillers.com forward slash David. And that's a website all dedicated to the murderous killers that are stealing your traffic and sales and conversions. So that's marketingkillers.com forward slash David. That's awesome. Uh, Nathan, you've been taking a lot of notes listening. Do you have any questions or thoughts before we wrap? I did. Before we're out of here, you mentioned a resource for checking the fingerprint of your emails. And I wanted to get that from you before we uh, left the listeners. Uh, So postmaster.google.com will help you see the spam situation. If you want to check if you have SPF and DKIM and all of those things, uh, the best thing to do is to download the resource I was talking about, marketingkillers.com forward slash David. 
because there's a few steps you need to take. Sadly, it's not as easy as go to this URL and, and it will tell you, but it's not too complicated either. You just need to know the steps. Okay. You just got me on your mailing list. So thank you. I really appreciate this. Uh, like both of you said, this wasn't the sexy stuff, but none of the, se- none of the sexy stuff works if you don't have this stuff in, in play also. So I really, uh, I really appreciated the kind of deep dive that you guys took on this week's episode. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to say, it may not seem sexy, but this is how the money is made. It's by plugging the leaks. And you really gave us a lot for that, Marin. Thank you so much. And um, I guess that's about it for now. (laughs) All right. So uh, until next time, make sure that you're checking out the copywriterspodcast.com. Subscribe to the show, rate us and review us, and we will catch you next time. See you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast.